There's a reason some people camp outside an Apple store or stand in line for hours waiting for the new Supreme line to drop or why some people frantically rush to the paper goods aisle at the grocery store when the COVID restrictions tighten back up again. And that reason isn't iPhones or overpriced t-shirts or even toilet paper, as essential as that may be. People aren't lining up for products, not really. They're lining up for a story, one that has driven mankind since the very beginning. And that story is scarcity, but that's all it is. One of the most powerful motivators in human history is just a story. You is a very fluid concept right now. It's culture and film and art. It's music and interesting books. It's conversations and eavesdroppings. It's the impact of friends and complete strangers. The stuff that gets into the cracks of your life and makes you who you are. It's an attention collection. You already have one. The question is, how are you using it? Hey friends. So recently, my wife Tanya planned the coolest surprise for me. I have what we might describe as a situation. We won't call it a problem. It's a situation when it comes to shoes, and sneakers in particular. So the other day, I come home, and there's an empty Nike shoe box on the counter, and there's balloons attached to it. And when you open it up, inside there's this printed picture. And the picture is of the Nike Dunk Low ceramics. And if that means absolutely nothing to you, don't worry. If that caught your attention, you get it, right? All you really need to know is that they're a Japanese exclusive from like the early 2000s. They're premium suede. There's this really rich orange and nori green colorway. And they're being re-released. And so I'm excited. And she goes, hey, they're dropping at 10 a.m. And I downloaded this app. And I'm going to buy them the moment the clock strikes 10. And this is where the story takes a dark turn. Because... I didn't want to bust the beautiful bubble that's floating above her head, but the moment I saw the joyful twinkle in her eye, I knew I had to break the bad news. So I'm like, babe, those will probably be gone the moment they drop, especially in a size 13. And so for a moment, I see the canvas droop, right? But the wind is still very much in her sails. She's like, no, I'm watching this thing like a hawk and we're going to get them. So long sneaker story short, they disappeared like toilet paper during a pandemic, right? And she was beside herself. How, how could this be? I was there at the exact time, the moment the button popped up, I hit it to purchase. And so I'm telling her about sneaker bots and reselling. And within 20 minutes, there's already multiple pairs online for no less than double the price. But why? Is it because Nike can't keep up with demand? Sorry, you know, we tried. Check back next time. Not usually. Retailers want these items to sell out. That's why they limit them. They want them to hit the internet for quadruple the price, even if it isn't on their website, because it adds value to the brand. When people believe something is limited, the appeal for that item jumps through the roof. And that's brilliant marketing. 
It's why you'll never see certain brands at Target. Sure, if they dropped, they might sell a ton in the beginning, but it will ultimately kill the long-standing appeal of the brand. Scarcity sells because if I know I'm one of a handful of people with access to an item, I immediately feel that much better about my purchase. It's far more valuable than the price I actually paid. It's the reason act now or be the first to know or sales won't last evoke an emotional response. It's powerful and it works. And the amazing thing is, it's completely made up. Yes, it's a compelling story and we literally buy into it. And look, there's nothing wrong with that necessarily, as long as we know what's happening. But the story of scarcity has a dark side as well. So I don't know if you've had a similar experience, but recently my social media feeds are littered all over again with pictures of empty supermarket shelves. And why? Because COVID cases are surging, and so states are tightening restrictions again. Which I guess is scaring the actual crap out of people. Because there isn't a sheet of toilet paper to be found. But why? Why toilet paper? I mean, we could get into the details of the psychology, but ultimately it comes down to a story. The story of scarcity. These restrictions bring fear to the surface. What if I run out? What am I going to do? Which, strangely enough, causes stores to run out. People are panic purchasing. Not based on an actual shortage. Charmin has not issued a press statement. Look, guys, we're running low. But an internal story ultimately becomes an external shortage. That's how this always works. And of course, it's bigger than TP. This scarcity-based fear has destroyed relationships. It's sent people to war. It's actually collapsed entire civilizations. Because when a story becomes so big in our minds, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And we can't help but make it a reality. And that's terrifying. We have more than enough food and water on this planet. And yet millions of people die of starvation. Why? Because hoarding is caused by a story of scarcity. We have record-setting billionaires in 2020, making more money than ever thought possible, and people are scraping to survive. How? The story of scarcity. If I give up some of what I have, I won't have enough, which is verifiably untrue. But it doesn't matter because the story is so compelling, it becomes reality. But look, you aren't a billionaire, so you're not living that reality. And yet, you probably have more than enough food in your fridge. So how does the scarcity story impact your life on a daily basis? So about a year ago, I heard one of my five-year-old daughters yelling what sounded like an obscenity at her twin sister. I was washing the dishes and I heard, Bucket Dipper! And I shut off the water, and I said, what did you call her? She's a bucket dipper. Now, I've heard some insults, but this was new for me. I, I don't know where she got it, and so I'm trying to figure out where she heard this. And it turns out, like most times, she learned it at school from a teacher. So I had to do some digging, 
but I learned that they had been reading a book called How Full Is Your Bucket? And the basic idea is that there are two ways to be in the world, a bucket filler or a bucket dipper. It's as if we all walk through life carrying a bucket. And this bucket is filled with our well-being, our contentment, energy, our happiness. And people can choose to either add to our bucket or they can remove from our bucket. And we can do the same for them. Now, obviously, bucket fillers do things like encourage people, speak kindly, share. But bucket dippers make hurtful comments or discourage and belittle people. So according to this analogy... When buckets are filled, we're content. But when they become depleted, we feel low. And every day we get to choose. Do I want to be a filler or a dipper? So when Isabel called Eliana a dipper, that was like a slap in the face. So when I realized Isabel wasn't cussing her sister out, that there was a meaningful explanation, I was actually impressed that my children's school was taking time out to emphasize kindness and generosity to talk about the harm that is caused every single day through bullying and selfishness. What a helpful illustration for children to grasp. But I hope they grow out of it. And here's why. I love the imagery of buckets because I think it helps kids wrap their heads around this complex issue. It shows how we impact each other on a daily basis, which can be really abstract for kids. So I think it's really helpful. But if they hold on to it for too long, they'll just end up buying in to the story of scarcity that most of us are trapped in. Because, look, if people are like buckets, we ultimately spend our lives trying not to spill. We guard ourselves from those who want to dip into our happiness. And it becomes our responsibility then to fill other people up. What if we aren't like containers at all? What if we're more like conduits? open channels through which something is constantly conveyed. Container thinking is just another scarcity story. It causes us to believe our lives are ultimately in the hands of other people, that we're limited and in danger of running out at all times. But I actually believe it's nothing like that. I believe we're connected to an endless stream of creativity and generosity and kindness and grace. There's no bottom And no one can empty us out. Think about what happens if we buy into the scarcity story, the bucket idea, the container example. We are forced to base our happiness on what we have or what we don't have at any given point. And then we let other people dictate our worth. If they say the right thing, we feel filled up. If they say the wrong thing, we feel emptied. We become convinced that we need other people. And so when people leave, we feel like they've taken part of us with them. Think about this. Some of us, if not most of us, have allowed something someone said to us or about us in childhood to affect the way we see ourselves to this very day. And that's because on some level, we feel like they dipped into our bucket and removed a part of us, a part we need someone else to refill. But that's all just a story. And so when we change the narrative, our entire view of life changes. And when our view of life changes, our actual felt experience can't help but change. 
As I said, there's no limit to creativity. Sure, there's a limit to my skill or my ability to create certain things, but it's not because of a deficit in creativity. And I don't need another person to fill me up, to make me happy. If I'm already connected to an endless stream of love and fulfillment, I'm good. And interestingly enough, when I live into that story, it actually dramatically improves my chances of connecting to meaningful relationships. Because I no longer need you, and therefore I can simply enjoy you, and vice versa. And there's nothing another person could ever do to subtract from who you are. There isn't an insult or critique that can deplete your value. That's not a thing. Think about how you might show up to work or to school or to your next family get together if you lived into that story instead of the bucket narrative that allows people to withdraw from who you are. I don't have to live guarded when I no longer believe I have essential value to lose. And people who live unguarded are some of the most joyful, generous, inspirational people you could ever be around. My point here is that's already who you are. You don't have to take a course or marry the right person or go on some spiritual pilgrimage to discover this. You just have to change the story. Why wouldn't I be generous if I'm not constantly looking over my shoulder or trying not to run low? Why wouldn't I add value to your life if I'm not worried that you could somehow diminish my life? Are people going to take advantage of me? Of course they are because they're trapped in a scarcity story. But that's no longer my problem to worry about. If you wanna hold on to a bucket, go ahead, but you can't tip me over because I'm not a container. I'm a conduit, and so are you. Scarcity is just a story, and at any point we can decide to close the book and pick up a better one. 